everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matty, and I get to be part of the leadership team here at Epiphany Station. And we are actually in week four of our Move teaching series. And Move, a series was built on the idea and the belief that we have that you were actually made to move. That as much as we might feel like it, we weren't made just to be revving our engine and going nowhere. We're not meant to just sit on a platform and wait. We're actually supposed to do things and change and shift and move. So that's really what we've been talking about through this entire series. And one thing we've been trying to do is we've been trying to put a tool in people's hands to help us understand what it means to move forward. So one thing that we've been using is called our spiritual journey guide that helps us know and understand what it means to love God and love people more and more. The spiritual journey guide that we have is something that we use to help us understand the movement and the shifting and what would provoke us to it. So in week one for Easter, we talked about why anyone would move from the searcher's side to the follower's side. We talked about how God made that possible through Jesus Christ. The next week, we talked about those who would make a faith commitment, the one right down the middle, why we would ever choose to engage in this relationship of following Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about how there is such a need for change in our lives, and God gives us the opportunity and the right to change. This week, we get to have a little conversation, and next week, we'll wrap it up by talking about what it means to live missionally. But today's conversation, today's conversation is about something monumental when it comes to your movement. It's, it's instrumental when it comes to growing in our faith, and because it is so misunderstood, we rarely engage in it in the way that we were born to. I'm talking about embracing community, embracing community because there's this idea when it comes to following Jesus, loving God and loving people, that we're actually supposed to do that together. We're supposed to do that with other people. And as we grow in our love for God, we would actually grow in a love for people. And even as we talk about the word community, and I'm going to say it roughly 57 more times this morning, so buckle up for that one, we all have a different idea of what community means depending on personality and experience and hopes and fears and hurts. So as we move on, I want to just take the time, I don't want you to take the time, to consider what community actually means to you today. The kind of program that you were handed as you walked in the door this morning has some stuff where you can make some notes if the speaker's any good. If he's not, don't worry about it. Otherwise, you can jot down there what community means to you, for you. If you could sum it up in a word, if you could sum it up in a, in a sentence, I don't want you to do a paragraph because then you won't be listening, but how would you say community is in and around your life? Because your answer, interestingly enough, will be very different from anyone. Anyone around you, anyone in this room, because of the communities we've been a part of. Some of us have been part of good communities, bad communities, downright ugly communities, but yet they're all communities. They're all people huddled around a reason for being together. Sometimes community comes out of geography. We're in the same place, boom, community. Sometimes it's activity. I go to school, I go to work, I play hockey, community. Other times it's based on an ideal or a belief, the pursuit of freedom or of fun or of love or of hate. They all form communities. Associations are communities, teams are communities, companies are communities, cliques are communities. Society as a whole is one big community and your family is your community. But there's something different about them all, and the thing that differentiate them, differentiates them from one another is what formed them, why they formed. And that's what we need to understand as we talk about embracing community. We're talking about a different type of community that formed for a completely different reason and therefore is different because what forms a community defines the community. And this different community we're talking about, if we miss it, 
for those of us who desire to love God and love people, if we miss why this community exists and why we're supposed to embrace it, we can miss one of the most important things about having a relationship with God and a relationship with people. Because Christian community is supposed to be distinct. It's supposed to be distinct because the reason for its formation is distinct. It's supposed to be distinct because the reason its purpose, it's its purpose and its mission is different. And it's supposed to be distinct because the people who make it up are supposed to treat each other differently. Christian community is just a fancy way of saying church. And our conversation is going to surround a conversation happening 2,000 years ago in which a church planter and pastor wrote a letter to one of the first churches to help them understand what church is actually supposed to be. His name was Paul, and he wrote to people in the Mediterranean and said, look, if you're going to do this, we need to have a conversation first. He says, for those of you who get this, can I ask you a question? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Paul starts his whole conversation about community by saying, is there anything going on inside of you that is changing? So he's talking to Jesus' followers, so he's assuming here that people have made that decision to follow, made that decision to be changed by him, and now he's asking, has anything changed? Honestly, aside from your decision to move, have you moved? Has your heart changed? Has your mind changed? Is there anything different about you than from day one? Because for what I'm going to ask you to do next, what community demands of us next, there's going to need to be a change. So are you encouraged that you belong to God through Jesus? Are you feeling maybe a bit more tender, a bit more compassionate, more about togetherness than you once were? Really, he's asking, have you moved? Because that first movement is necessary for the next one. He goes on to say, this is what it's going to look like. If that's happening in your life, we'll do this. You can make me truly happy, he says, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. He says, if that's going on in you, God's changing that in you, then we can do this. And the this that we can do is love each other. We can actually do <clears throat> genuine, wholehearted, mind-melting, oneness and purposefulness together. And really this means that any Christian community, any church across the world, anywhere, any size, any shape, any model, any flavor needs to get this about why they were formed. Because they were formed by God for this purpose and this reason that they could be inexplicably, beautifully for each other. He goes on in saying, look, if we're going to do this and we're going to understand how to do this, I'm going to give you some very clean-cut specifics of how we're going to do church. He says this to them, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So if that's happening inside of you, there's a change going on, then we can do this and love each other. And you know what? It's not about you. It's not going to be about you. It's not going to be about appearances. It's not going to be about pretense. It's not going to be about jockeying and positioning and seeing to be doing the right things and being holier than thou. No, actually, the idea of church is going to be that we would genuinely care. We would have genuine affection. We would be in their lives and we would be there for them. Now, the idea of that, like a whole community doing that, that would be amazing if we could do that in marriage in which we struggle. We could do it in family, that'd be grand. What about hundreds of people doing that for one another? 
that sounds great. It sounds great to me. It sounds like maybe the thing we all wish we had. It sounds like the thing that God would actually probably want to try and create if he wanted to put a community together. And it sounds so great that it almost is easy for us to dismiss as being just a little great. Like it's, it's a bit too out there. It's a little bit unnatural that we would be this connected, this committed, this intimate, this vulnerable. That would be weird. That would be uncomfortable. And there's a good chance that we would just feel that that type of community would be too loving for its own good. Now, I'm going to peel back the veil for a second here and let you guys into something. Before we talk on a Sunday morning, I actually write things down during the week because I'm a planner. And while I was writing this week, those words popped out of my head, through my fingers, into the computer. Too loving for its own good. And I stopped in my tracks because that was too smart for me to come up with. And... I think it's my new favorite description of what church is supposed to be. Too loving for its own good. Like recklessly loving. Dangerously loving. Like so far on the raggedy edge of loving that it seems unwise. That that would allow us to actually be pushed and stretched towards being that loving rather than just accepting the thing that we've come to accept. We'll be nice to each other. And that messes with our comfort level. It messes with what we'd expect, and because we don't like that, we've settled for something less. But we were never supposed to be comfortable. One of my favorite Christians, a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis, an Englishman, so you know he's smart, he said, look, if you're looking for religion to make you feel comfortable, I don't recommend Christianity. Because it doesn't, and it shouldn't make you feel comfortable. So stick with me here. Bear with me. What if what I'm saying is true? Just go with that for a moment. What if it's right What if community is supposed to be more than you have ever experienced? What if biblical Christian community, church is supposed to be more? It's supposed to be better. It's supposed to be more invested. It's supposed to be more in loving than we've even scratched the surface of. That all the people would be about all the people. That's a big ask. It's a big challenge. It's one that many of us will dismiss for the rest of our lives. Because it asks so much of us. Now, I would hope that if that were the case, that that's the kind of community God wanted to create, I would honestly hope he would make that really obvious. Like he would seek to make it really plain, maybe write it down in a book. Maybe give us an obvious example to follow, to look to, to to emulate, to mirror, to make sure that we understand this is what I mean and this is how you're going to do it. Verse 5 says that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. We keep coming back to the cross In this conversation about spiritual growth and movement, we keep coming back to the cross. Like, maybe like the cross was actually supposed to define not one thing, but everything. Like, it said that we get to start a relationship with God based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross, not what we can do to earn it. Maybe that following God actually meant following him by putting down our will and picking up our cross, the life we were supposed to lead. Maybe change meant that we could actually take the evil, destructive parts of us and nail them to death on Jesus' cross. And now we talk about community And apparently, it's supposed to be founded on 
the cross. A representation, a group of people seeking to do what Jesus did, to live their life for the sake of other people. That you would live now for others, that we would actually mirror Jesus, that we wouldn't look at the cross and say, well done, that was nice of you. We would actually say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give everything. I'm going to be so confident and secure in my relationship with God that I'm going to be able to put my life out there for him to use for anyone. Because you see, what Jesus did was he had a quality with God, yet he decided to move himself. He had divine privilege and he moved himself. He was born in human form and still moved himself lower and lower for the sake of other people. The greatest representation of Jesus' likeness will be those moments that you move yourself. You move yourself to the side. You move yourself out of the spotlight. You move yourself off the pedestal and you sacrifice for other people. That's the reason God formed a community. It's the reason he formed a people. It's the reason he created the church, and it still continues to exist today, thousands of years after persecution, because the church was supposed to tell everyone it's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about you being like Jesus, and being like Jesus means about being about people more than about you, because apparently that's who our namesake Jesus was. That's what our Savior came to do. And that's who God now has called us to be, a sacrificial community. And let's make this one clear, not sacrificial for programming, not sacrificial for buildings, not sacrificial for salaries and titles, and not sacrificial for our brand or our name or our way of doing it. Sacrificing for people, people loving people, that we, if we call ourselves the church, would start to see that what we have was given to us so that we could sacrifice it for others. You have been given time. Some of you much of it, some of you little. You have been given money. Some of you much of it, some of you little. You've been given a house, some of it big, some of you small. You have been given energy. You've been given emotion. You've been given relational intelligence. You've been given the ability to pray. You've been given the ability to work and have gifts. And you can make goals all toward your entire purpose for being here as a Jesus follower. For other people. That is what has formed our community, and what forms the community is what defines the community. And what formed us was Jesus on the cross. What defines us continues to be Jesus on the cross. Now, Epiphany Station exists to love God and love people, period, and to embrace thousands of outsiders in an authentic community of faith. That's what has formed us, that it's not about us. And if you stick around at Epiphany Station, that'll probably be why you stick around. Because you think that's probably the way it should be. That we should probably be about other people. That we should be making room. That we should be inviting them in, welcoming, taking a genuine interest in them. That maybe it's not about us. Which would be a good thing, because there's nothing flashy about us. We're not the best. We don't have the best programming. We don't have the best facility. We certainly don't have the best pastors. And we just have us. The strength of Epiphany Station has always been just, just us, but an us that wants to be moved by God, an us that wants to be defined by God, to go and do what we've always supposed to have been doing, and that is the greatest challenge we'll face as a church family is, do we want to let him do that? Dare we let him do that? I want to have a conversation just very briefly as we wrap things up with those of you who are like, yeah, that's not for me. I can, I can just be honest and sit here this morning and say, 
that's not where I'm at. I'm maybe not about this whole Jesus thing. I'm maybe not about Epiphany Station. I just want to let you know why you would ever be provoked to change your mind. Because something happens, and it happens in order when it comes to Christian community. It doesn't come first. As Paul showed, it comes after your heart starts to change, and you want to arrive in a community where you know you want to give, you want to be a part of it. So there's a a change already going on in here. Christian community flourishes when people are following Jesus, not before. Now, please don't hear that as, until you're ready to be following Jesus and changed by him, get out and don't show your face around here. Again, we exist to be a place where you can work out how to do that and if you want to do that. But it doesn't happen the other way around. It, there isn't Christian community without Christ. There, you know, there, there, there isn't a change in dynamic without a change within you. And if you find yourself in that angsty, tension kind of filled place where like, I feel like I want this, I feel like this is a thing that I want to be part of, but I don't, I don't feel myself connecting. Either it's here or maybe at your home church somewhere. Then give people the opportunity to speak into your life as to why that might be. Take the opportunity maybe to talk to your pastor, to talk to one of our leadership team and say, I'm really struggling to connect. Can you maybe help me see why? And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Not every church is for every person. Epiphany Station might not be the right place for you but give us a chance to help you find the place that might well be for you. Another church family in our region that is maybe where you will click with your personality, your strengths, and your style. Because I believe it's so important that we understand that this is a huge move in our faith, that we never let it go, that we never just have had our bad experiences and therefore give up on it. Because it is how we grow in a place where we can be sacrificing for others. But if you are... A Jesus follower. If you've decided to follow, if you've committed to being changed and submitting to that change, then there's no reason why you can't have this community, why you can't have this beautiful example of what it means to do relationships right. And I want to give you a couple of challenges, a couple of next steps, two very practical ways that should move you in the direction of finding and embracing this community. The first step will be to redefine community to redefine community. We started our conversation me asking you, how would you define it? And you've probably got some amazing answers because you're all smart and beautiful. But I'm gonna go out on a limb and say every single one of your answers is wrong. Because we don't get to define the church. We have defined it for ourselves and what it will be and what we'll give to it and what we'll get from it. But that's what needs to change. That's, That's our sticking point and our problem. The creator of it gets to define it. So we must be willing to have it redefined for us. That we would be willing to ask God, what does he have to say about it? Because he didn't roll the dice on this one. He has a lot to say about what he designed church to be. So I want you to find out. I want you to be able to answer this. To God, community means what? The way that I want you to do this is I want you to read the Bible. Ha, bait and switch. If you don't have a Bible, we have a whole stack on the welcome station for you to take. It's free for for you just being here with us this morning. But I want you just to read three chapters of the Bible. It's a big thing. So just three chapters, 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops. And I want you to find the book of Acts. I can see you all furiously writing this information down. I want you to read the book of Acts. And it's in the new half of the Bible called the New Testament. It's about halfway through. And I just want you to read chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 of Acts. Put your hand up if you're going to do that. All right. Good, 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 good. I'm sure you all are. Uh, 
Chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and here's why. Because the book of Acts was the beginning of the church. It was the moment where Jesus said, go get them. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. This is who you're going to be. And now the world is going to be amazed when they see you. And I want you to go and read that because the last thing I want you to do is walk out of here and say, this is what Maddie thinks biblical community is. Never quote me. People laugh at you when you do. Instead, I want you to walk out and I want you to know deep down, whether you decide to walk into it or not, to embrace it or not, what God has said biblical community is supposed to be. So that it's not being sold short by me or anyone else. Once we've allowed God to redefine what biblical community is, that's when we can embrace it. We can take the step to embrace community. We can be ones that actually bring that kind of community into communities. Because here's the thing, no church is perfect. Like no family is perfect. There's always going to be blemishes. And if we spend our entire lives at arm's length to these communities, they will never change. So we must choose to be where God calls us to be and be for those people. Arrive there, show up there, thinking of what you can bring to those people. Get to know them, talk to them, take an interest in them, not just in your own interests. I don't know, maybe be wholeheartedly in love with the idea of church. Maybe be too loving for your own good. And you get to tip the scales. You get to move church towards what it is always supposed to have been. Now, depending on where you're at and kind of what you're wrestling and what you're struggling with, and how you desire this community or not. I want to challenge you, if you are looking for it, you do crave it, you do want it, to talk to us about it. Our connection card can be found throughout the facility, can be found on the welcome station. And if you want to talk to somebody about finding this type of community that sounds so good and honestly sounds like it's not going to be reachable, come and talk to us because it's what we're pursuing too. And lo and behold, we're here for you. We're not here for us. And you get the opportunity to bring you to this community or to any community you ever go to, to bring church to the church. As we wrap up this entire conversation, this this entire weekend, our music team is going to be coming up, and they're going to lead us in a a song of worship. And our prayer team is going to be down front. And our prayer team is always down front for people who want to be prayed with. You can do that anonymously, or you can come and share your intimacies. You, You can tell them what's going on in your life. You can ask them about community. They are here to pray with you and for you. That's how they find their place and their gifts to serve. Because I would challenge every single one of you not to walk out of here just checking this off as something that's unattainable. It's not going to happen. It's idealistic. No, it's the plan. It's God's plan A, that we would love God and love people, and that we would do that together. And I can't think of a better move to make than this one. So let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you that you have set the bar so high. Uh, when it comes to community, that it is not, it's not something that we should ever settle on. That even though we've had terrible, crappy experiences of, of people, churches, and Christian communities, that we would not let go of the, the plan that you have for it to be beautiful. That we are the light, that we are the thing that people are going to be looking for to see what you're like. And therefore, we wouldn't ever give up on anything less than this beautiful community. I ask you to work in us individually that we would not allow ourselves to put this down and put this to sleep, but we would seek to move, whatever movement that might be. And that as a whole family, you would, you would call us to be devoted to one another like we've never even experienced. And we would love it. We would enjoy it. We would crave it. I ask you to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.